Greetings to all of you who support Winning at Home on a regular basis. We are thrilled to again pass a little CD along to you for your encouragement and trust that every time you receive this, you find your spirit lifted. I'm so encouraged because so often uh, many of you will say to me, Hey, Dan, I love that CD. That's why we do it every month. It gives you a little more inside scoop of what's going on at Winning at Home, but also just reminds you that we're here faithfully trying to carry out the teaching of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially as it relates to marriage and family. And this time, I want to tell you that I'm focusing on something different. I mean, it's the month of February, the month of love, and I'm taking time this month to talk to singles, people who are single on purpose. Maybe it's a circumstance or not a circumstance, but they're still single, and I believe there is a purpose for their life. And too often, I believe those of you in the single life feel left out. You think of a couple's month, a couple's day, you go to church, you feel like you're not connected. And those of you who are married, don't tune out. Listen, this CD is going to bring some insight and thought to you that maybe you've never thought of before. As I prepared this message for singles, that will apply to all of us. I found myself really thinking about what it would be like in many circumstances, and you'll see what I mean as the message unfolds. Join me this month as we seek to celebrate those who are seeking to live a life honoring to the Lord, sometimes on purpose as a single, sometimes through difficult circumstances as a single. And so let's just listen and see what the Lord would say to our spirit. Here we go. little message I entitled, Single on Purpose. Typically, as you know, I speak on marriage and family. So when I will start a message on marriage, I will say something like this. Hey, uh, today I'm going to speak about marriage. For those of you who are single, I certainly don't want you to feel left out. I usually start with that disclaimer. So today I get to flip it. And I say to those of you who are married, I hope you get in on some of the stuff that I believe the Lord will use to speak to your heart. Uh, In preparation for this message, I have thought about a couple of things. I have a dream. That when this message is done and I finish today, if you're here and you're single, you will leave and you will feel loved. Uh, I think it's amazing that Ridge Point said we're dedicating a Sunday to focus on this issue. About 20%, is it 20, 25% of the congregation here are single individuals. And many of you are single by choice. Many of you are single by circumstance. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here we are, and as a congregation, as a fellowship together, we want you to feel loved and included And it's been fun for me to prepare to speak to you today. And to do that, I imagined myself single. I I went to the mall this week, and I pretended in my mind. I was with my wife, Jane. She did not even know I was playing the single game, but I was with her. (laughs) But I thought to myself, what would I be feeling right now if I wasn't with Jane? How would it feel to me? I went to a service this week, and in the service, I was sitting by myself. Do you remember I sat really quiet during the service? Part of the time in that service, I, well, I always sit quiet in the service, but I mean, it was a time when people were talking, and I imagined that uh, what I would feel like if I was single, because I could hear couples around me talking about what they were going to do, and <laughs> laughing, and I felt left out. I felt like, man, I mean, I after the service, I'm kind of going to my car and getting in my car and driving home. And I felt alone. I have, during the course of this time, thought back to churches where I've pastored over the years or been to over the years. I remember one church I was at. I don't even remember where it was. But they had a, one of the groups in their church was called Pairs and Spares. <laughs> and I look back and I go, what were they thinking? This makes somebody feel like they don't belong. 
uh, you single individuals who are here have heard these kind of phrases. You've heard phrases like, um, boy, why is that person single? They would make someone a good spouse. Almost like it isn't good for you to be just single. And you know, Scripture talks about not good for man to be alone, woman to be alone. But I'm going to show you another verse of Scripture today by one of your favorite Bible writers who will challenge some of that. I have heard people say about single individuals, well, you can tell why they're single. There's a reason they're single. <laughs> Critical. So even this morning, sitting here as a single individual, this is what I've thought. You feel alone. Uh, during the greeting time, these couples are great, and you feel alone. And today, we are trying to wrap our arms of love around you. As pastors, as Ridgepoint community, to let you know you're loved and you're cared for. And I hope that happens during the course of the day. I hope you leave today with a goal in your heart. You know, I have this goal in my life, preach zero, kind of my own personal goal. I want you to leave here with a goal of, this is what I want to do for the Lord the rest of my life. That's my dream. And to do that, I'm going to scare a scripture verse with you, and I'm going to give you some thoughts and ideas that are very practical, very real, things you can touch and feel today. I wanted you to be able to have some hands-on stuff. And so before I do that, before I share the verse, I just want to say this to you. Some of you here today are here, and you are single by choice. In other words, you don't want to get married. I remember our oldest son, Alan, he was almost 30 when he got married. And he was telling me in his late 20s, 28, 20, Dad, I'm never going to get married. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be married. He would tell me that. And I'd be like, son, that, that's your choice. You get to make that choice. And he would tell me, but you can't believe how many un people are unhappy that I'm not married. I'm fine, but they're not fine with it. They're trying to find me somebody. And he would go, I'm single and I'm single by choice. He wanted to be single. And that really doesn't fit into our culture. Our culture is a marriage culture. We can say it's not, but it is. It's been that way for centuries. It's the norm to be married. So you're in a culture that thinks that way. So as a single individual, know you're going to feel a little left out just because of the way our culture does it. And that's not new. It's been going on for hundreds and thousands of years. In the Talmud, which is the Jewish ceremonial and customonial law for the people, the Jewish people. In that Talmud, big, huge book, go find one. They're massive. Look it up on Google. It's a huge book. In that book, it says, if you are 20 years of age and you are not married, it is a sin. So, I mean, we've lived in a marriage culture for a long time. So, some of you are single today by choice. Good job. It's your choice. Some of you are single by circumstance. Not as easy of a choice. You don't want to be in that spot. You don't like your spot. You wish you weren't in your spot. And I want to say to you today, um, this mirror represents what I want to see happen for you during the course of this service. Uh, this is a little mirror I got from Dale Jarrett, who is a NASCAR driver. I used to do a little speaking with him. And after one of the races, I asked him if I could have his mirror. And he said yes. So I went in his car and I took it. My goal is to take one piece at a time, eventually build my own car. But I, I got these, this mirror, and uh, this mirror is convex, meaning uh, concave would be bent, cave, and uh, vex out, convex. And it's a little longer than the mirror in your car. The mirror in your car is probably about a foot. This is about a foot and a half long. And 
One of the reasons is for the NASCAR drivers, they are going 200 miles an hour and they want to do a quick check, you know, and they want to see as much as they can see. For example, if I look in this mirror here, I can see almost the entire audience because it's convex, meaning it bends around. I can see a lot more. In life, you can see your whole past. The whole past. It's almost like our mirror is made perfectly to see every detail of the past. Sometimes, sometimes what happens for us in life, especially going through a circumstance that's messed our life up, we, we look in the mirror and we forget when we're driving this car of life, the front windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror on purpose. You're supposed to be looking through the front windshield, but so many of us get caught in this rearview mirror. And we spend a lot of our life looking at that. Well, Dan, you don't know what happened to me 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't. But I know this. It's not in your future. It's in your past. And when you're in a circumstance single situation, it's pretty easy for this rearview mirror to become, look, look, it's pretty easy to let it become your windshield. It's all I can see. I know a lady right now. Um, that's interesting. I've never done that before. If I do this on this mirror, it looks like I have one eye, so it's really weird. <laughs> There's a lady I know who I can't remember. Jane's always better with years, but I don't want to say her name. But it's been 10, 12 years ago. Um, lady I know, good lady, loves the Lord. But something happened. And that thing that happened caused her to go through a divorce and go through tough stuff. And she's, she's living her life. She's driven for 15 more years, but she's in the same spot. She hasn't gone over there any. And those of you in a circumstance, a single situation, know what that feels like. And today I come to talk to you about seeking to see that your single life might be single on purpose. And I'm going to do that by bringing a Bible verse to you that's coming up on the screen. It's Psalm 127. It's a psalm that maybe some of you have penciled on your wall at your house or stenciled into something or whatever, whatever you do with that stuff, artsy stuff. Uh, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. It's a simple verse. Unless the Lord drives your car and helps you see the front windshield, you will labor in vain and spend all your time right here. So today, I'm asking you as individuals to look at your life and say, am I living on purpose? In other words, with purpose. And I'm going to do that by breaking down four little thoughts that coincide with what that verse says to us. Unless the Lord is doing it, you're wasting your time. So to do some checks on ourselves today, I'm simply going to ask you, as you're building your life on purpose, are you doing these four things? The first one is this. Do you see your circumstance or situation as positive rather than negative? Now, don't, don't just think I'm throwing up some little trite thought here and, and telling you to do that. This isn't easy. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife and I, we're not single, but we've been through situations where we have to choose to be positive. Otherwise, the rearview mirror will tear you apart. And I realize that today there are some single situations here that are atrocious. There is, for you to have negative thoughts and to hurt and to be filled in your heart with pain you can't even hardly describe sometimes, you are normal. I'm just telling you, don't live there. It's not going to help you. It's going to make it worse for you. 
And one of the things I try to do when I'm in that spot is I will go and intentionally write a a note of thanks to someone. When I'm stuck, when I'm not doing good, when I've got that critical negative spirit, one of the things I need to do is stop focusing on me. I can focus on me. And when I do that, it, it doesn't get me out. Um, I, I, as you know, I preach, and I remember preaching a few years ago. I can't remember. I, I know exactly where I was at. I don't know how many years again. Um, but there was this lady who, after I'd finished preaching, um, she stood around for a little bit. I remember she had on red. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I remember things. I, like, I'm aware of my surroundings pretty good and just remember colors and stuff. And so, I remember she had on a dress in red, and, and she was standing there waiting for me. It was a large audience, and everyone had come up and said hi. They wanted to say hi because I did the normal thing where I go stand down front with my family and then say hi, and people leave. And she stayed. And I had done a sermon on some of this. I think I'd actually preached from Job. I think I did some of that message even here about Job going through the circumstances of life. And she came up to me and she said, Pastor, you said all things work together for good of God. You got to be positive. So I need to run something by you. I'm like, okay. So it was just me and her. And she said to me, I, um, my husband divorced me a few years ago. I have four children. All four of my children at different times, either through disease or accident, died or were killed. All four. Tell me, Pastor, what's the purpose? I'm going to tell you as a pastor, if I start reeling off, well, see, now, God, somebody slap me. There are times there is no earthly answer. But that doesn't mean there isn't purpose. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't think we always have answers, but I think we can always have purpose. For example, somebody who has been through a really crappy situation sitting in here right now, if I could take you to meet with that lady in the red dress who had lost her husband and four children to death, the children to death, okay? She lost them, they're gone. You could at least stand there and say, I don't understand it all, but I've been through one of your situations and I'm here just to tell you, I love you. If you want to go have a little lunch sometime, I'll sit with you. I don't get it either. I've been through a little bit of what you have, and I just need to come alongside you. That's called purpose. It doesn't have the answer, but it's purpose. You need to understand your life has purpose. And seeing your situation as one that's positive instead of negative is exactly what Paul does in Scripture. Paul was single. He wrote most of our favorite books. We memorize his writings and he wrote a lot of it single in jail. And I want you to listen to what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Watch. I wish that all of you were as I am. He's talking about marriage and people doing marriage stuff and he says, I wish all of you were like me. He's meaning single. And then he says, but each of you, but each of you has your own gift from God. He calls it a he calls being single a gift. That's positive. Today, choice or circumstance single, you might be put in a spot where God wants to use you as a gift to someone, bet you hadn't thought that way. 
And I challenge you to realize it might change your circumstance in a positive way to view it as something God could use. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 7, down in verse 32, and says, let me explain it. Let me explain why I said that. Paul says, I would like for you to be free from concern of marriage. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man, he's concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can take care of his wife. It's just true. I'm a married man. I preach and travel for the Lord. But every now and then, I've had to say no to stuff that I could do because I got a wife and kids. I can't do it all. And Paul is saying, as a single man, you can do whatever you want. As a single lady, you can choose to do whatever you'd like to do for me. My mom, I have not mentioned this in any of the services. It literally comes to me right now. My mom always wanted to be a missionary. And my dad would not allow her to even go on a missions trip. And I remember mom saying to me as a little boy, oh, I only have one regret in life. I feel like the Lord called me to do that and I'll never be able to do it because I'm married. And I remember her telling me, I started praying that the Lord would use my children to be missionaries. And me and my brother are both pastors. And she said, I believe the Lord answered my prayer of the calling he put on me. He gave it to my children. She was saying, I'm glad she still had me as a kid, but I think she was saying, I felt like I was supposed to do something for the Lord. And I ask you today, single individual, choice or circumstance, what purpose might there be in your very spot right now? I don't like my spot, I know, but what if you changed your spirit about it? What could happen? We're thinking about it. A second little way to build your single life on purpose is to avoid the thought, what have you done for me lately? Now, that was a Janet Jackson song from years ago. Remember that? What have you done for me lately? (laughs) (laughs) Jane's impressed. Um, That's the attitude we have toward God a lot. Well, we don't say it out loud, but we get inside and we're like, well, God, I've been, I've been doing all this stuff for you. I gave to that. I, I did that. I've done, what have you done for me, man? I can get this attitude after I come home late from preaching a full Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the other side of the coast. And, and I've got to fly in, get home at, noon, at midnight or, or 2 a.m. And then I got Monday morning meetings. I can drive to the office and we got issues. Maybe Jane and I aren't getting along. Got issues with the kids. I can tell you inside me. I would never stand up here and say, but I can tell you what goes on inside my spirit is, where are you at, guy? I'm out here busting my butt for you. I'm trying to travel and preach across. Can't you take care of some of this little stuff for me? Attitude. (laughs) See, we can see an attitude in like a 15-year-old at the house. You can see their attitude. Do you think God ever sometimes looks down and goes, Seaborn, you got an attitude, man, and you need to lose it. I provided food for you, shelter. I gave you. You are breathing right now, son. You're breathing. (laughs) But we get an attitude, and it's easy in our circumstances, to think, what have you done for me lately, God? I mean, I look at all these other people. They seem happy. What about me? You check out fake book. You see what all those people are doing. They're all happy. What about me, man? Doesn't seem fair, does it? It's because we're not living our life on the purpose of fully honoring the Lord. And then I get to the whole reason I've come to preach this message. This next point by far my favorite of all I'm going to share with you. 
It's so exciting to think what I get to say in the next five minutes. It might not be your favorite, my favorite. The third reason, the third purpose that I believe you can put in your life for living for the Lord is checking right now, do I have a willing or unwilling spirit? You will decide point number three. Do I have a willing or... Y'all get to decide. I'm just going to present the material. Here's the difference. A willing spirit, you ready, is teachable. An unwilling spirit is, is uh, resistant to receiving correction. Which one are you? Like so far as I've been preaching this morning, forget about me. As the Spirit of the Lord, you heard something that came into your mind. So uh, go inside yourself, down in your soul, in your spirit, go in here. When that thing came to you a little bit ago that the Lord's kind of showed you that that's for you, was your first thought, that's good, I received that. Or, I don't like that. I don't even like his shirt. Why do they let him preach here? You know, you find something negative so that you don't have, you can be resistant to that. Mm, I don't like what the Lord, the Lord's showing me I need to break that down in my life. I don't want to. That's your call. I can tell you from my life, um, every time I fought right at that point, when I surrender, it's always peaceful. Surrender is peaceful. Fighting creates drama. Sur- Listen, I had a circumstance yesterday. Jane knows exactly what I'm talking about. I had someone attack me yesterday. I, I opened a door. I walked into a place and I was immediately attacked, not even agree, it attacked, boom, attack. I had to make a choice. Go at him, or just go, yeah, whatever. So I chose, it was hard, it was hard. Because I think I was right, but I didn't say a word. I just let him attack. When they finished, I said, I'm so sorry about that. Um, Sorry that caused you that, and uh, I'll see you later. And I walked back out the door. Got my car and drove away. I was hurt. I was angry. I was, I was so frustrated. I called my son. I said, hey, son, can you talk me through that? I'm so angry right now. And he said, well, you did the right thing, but I get why you're angry. I chose to surrender when I wanted to attack. And watch. About 30 minutes later, I received a text from that individual. I'm so sorry. I was so wrong. The, the surrender and the ability to just be teachable, I don't have, just let it go, wins. You can surrender, but it's your choice. You can fight all you want, but when you have a willing, teachable spirit, you will advance. I promise. A second thing, a willing spirit has a what can I learn mentality, an unwilling spirit has a victim mentality. We've all been victims of something. I have. Two days ago, I'm riding in my car. I'm riding in my car, and the sexual abuse I went through as a five, six-year-old boy, just, I, I wasn't thinking about it. It was right there. I was a victim. I didn't choose that at five or six. I was a victim. I think it came to my mind because I saw the individual three days ago. I didn't mean for this to come to my mind. But now I got to deal with it and I've either got to go, what can I learn? 
I, I don't like this, but what can I learn through it? Or I'm going to become a victim. Yeah, well, I was abused as a child, so I'll never be able to do anything. No purpose for me. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can't live there. At Winning at Home, every now and then a parent will come to me and say, hey, my five-year-old, seven-year-old has been over to counseling, and thank you for your counselors. They've helped them. They went through sexual abuse. Do you know when I hear of a little child who's been through sexual abuse, I just, oh, I care. And that's because I've shifted my spirit to go, I'm not going to let that destroy my life. I'm going to rise above it. And some of you in this room need to rise above a circumstance or a situation that you can't control. Stop think you are a victim, but stop living with the victim mentality. Live with a, what can I learn from this? And then within this third point, my favorite point of all the points is this next one. I want you to understand you as a willing spirit person will have a broken spirit versus a hard heart. Now, I look at those two words and go, aren't they about the same? Man, neither one of those look good to me. If you had to pick between broken spirit and a hard heart, what do you want? Well, let me explain it. We are confused when it comes to broken spirit. I want to show you the difference. When we hear broken spirit, when we think of something that's broken, that's what we think of. That's broke. And what do we, as people, when there's something in our house, like if you had that over Thanksgiving with all the people over, something broke. Hey, kids, wait, stay back, don't. There's a mess here. That's what we say. Don't come over here, it's a mess. It'll mess you up. Stay back. And that's what some of us feel like our life is. Like right now, when I yell, you're a mess, people, yeah, that's me. You've even said about yourself, I'm just a mess. And, and here's what we do with messes. We, we sweep them up. We go out and we, we sweep them up. And we sweep them into a, a little dustpan. And we, after we get them all swept up, then, then we take them and we throw them in the trash. That, this is what we do with broken, with broken stuff. We throw, we try, we throw it in the trash. We throw it away. That's not what broken spirit is. That's what we think it is because we hear the word broken in our society. Broken means trash. You know, if you have a, if you got a toaster at home, it doesn't work. You know, oh no, leave that there. It might work again. No, you throw it away. It's broken. That's not what broken spirit is. Broken spirit is this. Let me explain. Same vase, same little cup. Hasn't been fired yet. Got it down at painted pot. This, this little cup has flaws in it. If you come up and look close, you'll see little dings, little nicks, little things that need to be rubbed out. It's not done yet. That's you. You're broken like this little cup is broken. This, this is broken. It's not perfect. It's flawed. It's got mistakes in it. And it knows it. It doesn't have to be broken all the way and try I'm broken, meaning I'm not perfect. This is you. God made you a vessel of clay. He made you. He didn't make you. See, Satan wants you to feel trashed. God wants you to feel broken, needy of him, wanting him to fill up your cup. I can prove it. It says three scriptures. Listen to these. These scriptures, by the way, about 
a little over a year ago, a dude preached. I was in the audience. He was a guy that almost took his life. Now he travels around the country with me preaching. And he was up and he shared these three verses. I started crying as I listened to a dude that was broken read verses of Scripture and remind me why Jesus came to the earth. Watch this. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus came for broken, flawed, screwed up people. This is who he came for. He didn't come for the elite that thought they knew everything and were perfect. He came for us, us, circumstantial us. Psalm 147, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. David said in Psalm 51, my sacrifice, God, is a broken spirit. You say, David was trashed? No, he wasn't. David was king. But he was a broken king. And that's what you are. And today, I got to tell you, one of my main hopes in this message is you'll stop thinking of yourself as trash. That's what Satan wants. Jesus is over here going, you're not trash, man. I want to use you. I want to fill you up to help ladies who wear red dresses who have lost four children. I got a plan for you. But it really comes down. Go ahead and go all the way to point number four and build your life on purpose. It comes down to a choice. It's your call. I got to tell you, as I've aged and preached, I used to feel like my job was to come up here and fix people. I got to tell you, and Pastor Kevin is probably well past me in this and already more mature than me than this, but I, my job is not to fix y'all. My job is to present the message of the gospel and then say, Lord, use it. It's so freeing for me to go from feel, I'm supposed to help all y'all to, no, I'm, just, I'm supposed to help myself and preach the gospel. And today, it'll be your choice if you go, I'm going to receive that. That's your call. So I have this single friend. Her name is Holly LeBlanc. She passed away just a few months ago. I met her when she was 18. She was a cheerleader at Holland High School, and I was her youth pastor. Crazy fun girl. She had one vibrant vessel, man. That girl, she was fun. And then she got ataxia, which is a disease that attacks your nervous system. And her, her vessel got diseased. Not trashed. Diseased. Her vessel was wheelchaired. She wanted to get married. She asked me if she ever got married, would I do her wedding? She never got married. Uh, I actually I told her a few days before she died, because uh, she had cancer. Then her, then her vessel got cancer on top of everything else. People would look and said, your body is nothing but trash. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Her body was broken. And a few days before her funeral, before she died, I should say, I asked her if I could, on her wedding day, if I could do a wedding. I, and so I married her to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was awesome. And I look at her life. If anybody walked up to me and said, Holly's life was trash, you, you might want to step back a little bit because I might punch you. Because Holly's life, listen, she changed thousands of lives. Thousands of lives. And here's why. She said to me one day, Dan, I chose to be better, not bitter. 
single lady chose to be better, not bitter. So one of the last days I was visiting with her at her house, um, I just recorded her talking a little bit. I, I didn't know I was going to play it in the service. I played it at her funeral. But as I prepared this message, and it came down to the choice, this lady named Holly, she made a choice. It was not easy. Guys, she would text me at 10 o'clock at night how painful it was. How, why, Dan, did I have to go through this? And I said to her, Holly, I don't know. I have no answers. But I know you're shaping a heck of a lot of lives. And I was one of them. I said at Holly's funeral, I'd say boldly here, of the top 10 people I would choose who touched my life, Holly's in the top 10. A broken vessel. And I wanted you just to hear a couple of her thoughts just days before she passed. And here was me talking with her. So we're just going to, you see her picture, but you just listen to her voice. But now I wanted her to bring a final thought, a final word to you from her heart. Hi. Um, okay, final words. Final thought. I, the biggest thing that I think is for you guys, no matter what circumstance you're in, God will never, never fail you. Even though it feels like it and may seem hopeless, he will never, never fail. He's never failed you? Never. You've been pretty low sometimes. Very. And he always caught you? Always. And through people, through you guys, through life. So, um... Thanks for loving me through it. I thought it was fitting for you to hear her words. Through whatever circumstance. I, that, wasn't me, that was her. That's testimony of a lady who's now in heaven. Whose vessel was not trash, but it was broken before the Lord. How to end a message like this. Um... I'd prayed, I didn't know exactly how I was going to end it, but this is the way we're going to end this message. As I was working on it, there's a song that y'all know that I sing sometimes in my car. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. And I thought, you know what, that's how we're going to close. So Daniel's going to come out with some of the worship team. And we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to ask you to all stand in just a moment, and we're going to do something. You say, this is not comfortable for me. I, I'm, I'm starting it. I'm stepping down here. I've done this every service. We're doing it here, and I'm planning on you coming. If you find yourself in a situation where you go, yeah, circumstances have trashed me, but I'm going to change my view of myself to be in a broken contrite vessel ready for God to use. It's a little switch, but it makes a purposeful difference. So as Daniel begins to sing, I'll leave my mic on because I'm going to talk some if you don't mind. So he begins to lead us in worship and I'm going to invite us. Would you all just stand? Stand up with me right now. The Lord has spoken to you in this service this morning. As we sing, I want you to just come stand, right? I'm going to stand here. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to greet you. Pastor Kevin will come up here. Pastor Dan's coming up. We're going to greet you and hug you and thank you for being a part of the family. If the Lord has spoken to you, you're already coming. Thank you. 
come down. Come to the front. Let's sing this song and worship the Lord together. I'm going to close in prayer. Would you come join us right at front? No matter your circumstance, married, not married, if the Lord spoke to you today, come down, even from the balcony, come down. We want to pray over you. Let's sing together. Are you hurting and broken you, within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you just keep coming. The Lord's speaking to you. Just come on down. Come on down. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to the beginning of this second verse because it's everything we talked about. You're here and you feel beat up. Like Satan just beating you up and you're a piece of trash. Listen to this verse. Respond. Come on down. Let's pray together as the Lord speaks to you. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling so come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood walking down some of you are still coming keep coming as you're coming just listen into this look, look at this vessel this is you guys stop believing that crap right there okay get satan's crappy way of thinking out of your head you are a vessel flawed see see little ridges it's not perfect that's y'all y'all ain't perfect i ain't perfect but you're a vessel that god wants to use and i want you to believe it and i want you to see yourself as his vessel you won't have a you won't go out the doors and it be perfect. Some of y'all are going back to a circumstance. I use a Greek word here, sucks. I want you to hang in there. I want you to press on. I want you to realize you have purpose. So Father God, I speak this purpose over those who have come forward. How awesome that they've humbled themselves. A broken and contrite people standing right here. In fact, Lord, the truth of the matter is they're standing all over this place. It's all of us. Help us. Lead us. Guide us. Remind us that unless you build our house, we're just wasting our time. Thank you for these humble spirits and hearts that are here this morning. Watch over them. Bless them. In Jesus' name.
we all said, Amen. As we closed out that message, you could see how we trust the Lord will carry us through everything we face. If you're single or married, or no matter your circumstance, you can see that we need to come to the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to lay ourselves at his feet. And that's what we continue to do here at Winning at Home. Thank you for praying for us as we faithfully seek to minister to those single, married, widowed, you name it. We're trying to be here to give guidance and biblical understanding and counsel. And so thank you for partnering with us. We trust this month's Home Run Club CD has been an encouragement to your spirit.